Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Every stroke counts on the scorecard and every penny counts in the market. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to straightforward pricing with no surprises, so you're free to swing with confidence. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg. Member SIPC. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today I'm joined by Golf Channel personality, senior writer at Golf Week, and jeffshackelford.com owner, Jeff Shackelford. In part one of this two-part podcast, Jeff and I discuss the Masters, the youth invasion on tour, technology and golf, and much more. Part two will air later this week and focus on Jeff and Gil Hans's design of Rustic Canyon, golf architecture, photography, maintenance, and much more. Enjoy, and without further ado, here's Jeff Shackelford. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Impressions from Augusta this this year. I saw you wrote something about the green speeds, um, and I think it was it was thoughtful. The pace of play was better, but a little fire was gone. Well, there's not really been fire in the golf course for a long time. If you want to include the, well, just f- for me, fire is is uh, uh, is firm and fast throughout, and and dry and. Uh, obviously, the greens are generally fast, but the um, fairways haven't been fast in a long time since they've been doing the, the cut towards the tees. It really does work. It stops the roll. Uh, and by the way, for all those who would like to uh, blame the agronomy for the ball going uh, longer, uh, you can look at the driving distance averages at Augusta and see what, what numbers look like without roll. Um, but the greens were definitely slower. Uh, of course, you know, a few people said, well, that was that because of the ANWA? And I'm like, <laughs> I just, no, they were still very quick for the ANWA. And they're still very quick greens. They're just not 13 and a half and 14. Um, and, and, and the difference in the pace of play was, was noticeable. I believe on Thursday and or I believe on Friday, it was, uh, I think it was about four and a half, four thirty-five for threesomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is amazing. And it's been a, almost an hour longer sometimes when there's wind. It's, uh, uh, you know, so. he, when JB Holmes gets around in five hours, you yeah. know, something's going, going good. Yeah. And you, and you're out there and it, it is noticeable as a spectator too. It's funny too. And, and I wrote about this after the, uh, Augusta national women's amateur that people thought the pace there was quick and it really wasn't. It was four twenty for 30, uh, players and in, in twosomes to get around uh, but when you were out there it didn't feel slow uh that you felt like they were playing ready golf and i attributed it mostly to the, the the nice quick walks from from green to the next tee shot you just you just didn't spend a lot of time waiting for the players to go back there um but otherwise they were they were um not anything special in terms of pace so 
I thought it played better because of that. I mean, obviously, I think the course would be a lot more interesting if the ball were running and running into the trees and they, they, the guys would actually – and it would favor somebody like Tiger even more in a, in a funny way. I think he likes it playing faster, but he has adapted to what they do, and uh, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, they, they've – obviously with the, the first cut – and uh, if they just if they widen the fairways and mowed out the mode, you know, the width, yeah. the grain, it would essentially make the fairways about the same width. And then instead of. Oh, I think it I think it'd make them narrower if you if you took away the cut toward the tee. I think the, <laughs> the speed of the ball rolling would would make them play narrower. That's what's ironic about it. <laughs> yeah. Even it, in a year like this where it was soft. And it's get, getting rid of the first cut and then the ball just runs right into the trees and the pine straw. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always, and that's been an issue since they installed that. And then now that they've gotten, uh, really into this cut towards the tee and, and it's a long grain, you know, it's not a tight fairway. Um, Torrey Pines, I'm trying to, let's see who else overseeds, um, that I've seen this year. I mean, Torrey's fairways are way better than Augusta's. It's not even close. Cause it's just a tight cut. There's no grain. And it's a, a thick ryegrass overseed, and they're beautiful. And um, Ennisbrook overseeds, right? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, and and then obviously TB Sawgrass's fairways were uh, incredible this year too. So, uh, but but if Augusta actually just had the normal a normal cut and didn't do that, and and it's a grainy, leafy cut, it's really weird. Um, and but it works. It just stops the ball. And, uh, so it's, but it also stops it from rolling into, into trouble. So it works though. Cause 15 would, I think they, uh, a few guys would actually get their drives down to the bottom of the hill. If, if, uh, they had any helping wind at all. One of the, one of the things I've looked into a lot is, uh, variance data with the majors and you see what happens when it's rainy and when it's soft, the standard deviation set of players. So like scoring, gets very compressed so you know if you think back to recent major championships the the courses that have had the most compressed scoring have been the wettest ones like baltus Rawl in 2016 mm-hmm. bell reeve last year was one but you know this year's masters when you, i saw the weather forecast i said hey you know this is going to be very compressed scoring but you know one of the byproducts of that compressed scoring was we saw this leaderboard where you know, heading into the back nine of Sunday, there was about 12 guys that could win. You, it, and it, do you think those bunch leaderboards is is better for tournament golf, or, or do you like to see the separate uh, the guys separate and lift like you see it? You know, more more firm and fast setups like uh, say your Open Championships. Yeah, I like the separation, obviously, because you feel like the best player usually is um, highlighted. Uh, in that kind of a structure, but uh, it's hard to complain about a, a leaderboard like we had at, at Augusta. And, and that golf course is generally one where it has been tough to separate yourself until um, the very end. And that's what makes it exciting. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I tend to, I tend to think it's a better reflection on the architecture and the setup. Um, when, when you see that, that nice uh, uh, variance in the, in the scoring and you see that separation, but, uh, and then we saw that in the women's amateur and, 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 and it should have happened there because those two players were clearly on a, on a different level. 
um, than some of the other players. Not that the other ones didn't perform pretty admirably, but they were clearly all aspects of their game were just were just a little bit better if you watch them. And um, and it's just been tougher and tougher for that to happen in tournaments, even with good setups. Uh, I mean, Carnoustie was baked out last year, and, and <clears throat> that was a tough one for for somebody to to separate themselves uh, in part because obviously that there are just more people with more brain power behind them and and making probably fewer mistakes in their preparation and and then obviously they all have uh, really outstanding equipment and maybe equipment that you could argue uh, also makes it a little bit tougher for the superior ball striker uh, to separate themselves tigers now made that case twice with the driver which i think is very interesting yeah yeah it's if you uh i was gonna say his comments are to that point where the skill a lot of the skill has been you know removed and uh you look at this youth invasion and you've got guys that are you know more so than ever 20 years old and and contending on the pga tour when you look at tiger and guys like Justin Leonard, the great players, uh, great AMs of yesteryear, and they were struggling to make cuts when they first were coming out. And it's a tough point for a player like him to make. Adam Scott is, has very strong feelings about it. Now Phil has strong feelings about this, um, and uh, they don't want to sound like they're, they're putting down um, younger players, and, and they don't want to be rude. But they've been around the game long enough to know when they're playing with somebody who who swings a certain way and strikes the ball a certain way that if you if you reduce the size of their driver head just a little bit, uh, they would be a, a different player. And um, and that's it's a, been a fascinating thing to see that come out uh, of the mouths of these guys in the last five years or so. A tiger does it very well. He does it in a way that's that's um, that beautiful kind of. You sit there and you listen, and then you go back and you read the transcript and you read between the lines, and it's so obvious what he's what he's saying. But he's he's doing it in a in an artful way, and um, I, I you know I just uh, I, I I'm starting to wonder though too. I'm suspicious of the fact that he's brought it up specifically with regards to driver head size. Uh, I'm I'm starting to wonder if that is the going to be the angle of, of attack from the governing bodies uh, um, instead of the, the ball. Uh, I don't know, but I, I've just, I, I'm, you know, I'm always watching those things and fascinated by those comments. And Taylor may just came out with, with a modern club with, with all their bells and whistles and injections and, and um, twisting faces, screw faces, but a, but a two seventy five CC head. So, you know, I don't know if it's the right one to test, uh, but it would be interesting. It's basically a two wood. I think it has a little too much loft to really uh, test adequately, but I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, but I think it's fascinating that they've done that as well. I, I messed around this winter on a TrackMan. I I brought uh, my Modern Driver Pro V ones straight out of the box uh, professionals, and then a Persimmon driver and mm. a Hickory driver. And what I saw was was with the Modern Driver Modern Ball, like you just there's no no foul balls like you know when you when you almost whiff the ball it still goes you know the same yeah. distance right and what i started to see was in you know if i did it on the track man and you know your dispersion distance and direction was very consistent modern modern 
And then what I started to see was a angled dispersion with distance and direction where I had the short right miss and the, the low left miss, right? Right. So all my misses that were left went pretty far, but all my misses right, you know, it brought back into play like that, that true foul ball. Mm. Um, because I think it was because of the head size. And that's what yeah. I, when I played high school golf, I always remember being afraid of that, that foul ball when, you know, it, I was in high school sure. playing a smaller head, you know? Uh, well, and, and I think that's where Tiger and, and, uh, Adam and Phil Mickelson are coming from too. They're just old enough to remember this, that, 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 that fear factor of once you hit one of those quackers, uh, that it, that it makes it, um, tough to really, to really let it go. And now Tiger and Phil are old enough to remember it with a, a small head and even persimmon. Um, Adam's probably more of that, that generation that remembers it from a small metal head with, the early graphite um, shafts that were a little unpredictable. I mean, I remember sometimes you you would you would swear you just put a great swing on the ball and and it just the the, the shaft just didn't react right. It, it was, something was well, and you just don't you don't have that now. The stuff is so well made and so good, and if it's not, it it, it gets replaced quickly and easily and. Um, so that, you know, mentally, I saw Spieth at a, a, an old-style duck hook this year at Riviera. I mean, just a real goes out and darts left low. And I thought, and I told a few people, I have not seen one of those at a tour event in years. And, and you know, once you hit one of those, it's, it, it, it's almost the equivalent of a shank to a good player. Yeah, the, uh, the next two drives are probably going right. Yeah, and they're tentative, and and they're probably ten, fifteen yards shorter because you're just trying to get it out there and not not repeat that jarring, awful thing. What are the byproducts of the? So we're seeing it right now. Is to a certain extent, everybody celebrates this parody we're in, where any yeah. week we've got thirty guys that are winning. But when I think about long term, I mean, the most compelling storylines we have in golf are Tiger's, you know, quest for Jack's record. His, you know, his win total, Phil's quest for the Grand Slam, and you know his longevity and you know adding to his career, and then you got Rory with the Grand Slam, and to a lesser extent Jordan. But with this parody that everybody seems to be celebrating, are we missing the really true big stories? I don't know if we're missing them. I don't get the celebration of it for, for the reasons you just highlighted that we, we tend to like uh, superstars and amazing stories and history. Um, and I think it's more of a marketing driven approach um, uh, to the game because parody is good in that, you know, when you have so many events and you can still say, well, we have these top stars there and, and there's, so there's some of that. Um, and then obviously I don't like the parody cause I, 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 think it's interesting when elite players are able to separate themselves and i do wonder at times if the equipment makes it a little bit harder to do um obviously there are other factors that 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 aren't equipment related um so i i just uh i am fascinated by that approach but i i, I ironically i think this year's been one where you kind of start to have to wonder about the parody a little bit it was it, the, the last few years going into the masters we've we've had this wealth of riches of 
of star names who you could all make a case for going in. And this year you, you really couldn't, uh, it was a small group or a smaller group that you'd say, wow, well, he's just been great every week. And, and he's going to, he's going to have a great week there too, barring a bad tea time or something like that. So I, um, I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of it, uh, but I understand it's a great narrative. Uh, it just sounds great. These, we've never seen a generation like this. We've never seen field depth and you've probably seen me taking that on a little bit more. Um, not because I'm anti-millennial I'm anti and I'm, I'm really getting tired of it and, and I'm starting to get frankly, um, kind of angry about it, but I'm, I'm anti rushing people into a career in, in golf and telling them they're ready and it's time and you can go out and win right now on the PGA tour. Cause you won the, the Southwestern intercollegiate and, it, and you know, the average age winner this year on the tour is, is, uh, over 33 and over 34 since, uh, the beginning of the year when we've had the best fields. And, uh, there's a re- really long list now of the next great, uh, thing that was told, yeah, you don't need to go to college for the last three months. You need to get out there now. You're ready. Um, and it's not pretty, it's not right. And it's, it's, and I think the, the reasons for it are, are, uh, again, driven by marketing. We, we've got to make this tour younger. We've got to make these players younger. And then there's, of course, a whole group of people around these people looking to make some money off them, too, which is not great either. Yeah, it's so telling when you go, and I I know you covered uh, last year's USAM, you've Mm -hmm. covered the Walker Cup, and you've covered, you know, some collegiate stuff. It's it's so telling when you get out there and you're following these guys, and and there's just, you can see the the army of agents and equipment reps. It's you know, amateur is gallery at the U S amateur now. Yeah. It's, it's and, just, and, and they get right up on the T and, and, you know, good shot, good shot. And you're like, Hey dude, you, you're, you're from a company like go down the fairway and be subtle about this. My gosh, he's still an amateur, but nah, it doesn't even, it's just, that's, they've just thrown all that out the window. It's a, it's, it's a crazy. Cause like, you know, I even think about it, it's like college programs with their sponsorships. It, you know they aren't they're they're a very loose amateur term as of now and i think in general we we see it across all sports the amateurism you know what a true amateur is is kind of changing oh it's gone yeah it's gone and i i uh i struggle with making the case because as a society we're just we're we're uh, e- so eager to, to rush people into adulthood and r- rush them into cashing in now. And it's not been good for any sport that's done it. Uh, I mean, I've been fascinated of late how many people are, are down on the, uh, the NBA right now after it, uh, just, just t- taking this incredible ride and, and how many times it's the quality of the play um, that is starting to really be noticeable to people and 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 you you have to attribute that to um sort of the breakdown in in the system of of going to college and playing college basketball and developing and then and and even people who saw that coming like charles barkley and Shaq, now even they back off that and say yeah you can't deny somebody the right if somebody wants to write them a check at 18 uh, you know, that's capitalism. I was like, well, wait a second. You know the quality of your sport is diminished. You can't back off that point. And now I think we're, 
you know, golf is a little different in that it's not a team sport. You don't sign a team contract. And man, it is a it is a uh, a cruel thing to throw somebody out there, um, cash in on them, and then uh, you know, uh, after about a year, they if you haven't done anything, people move on to the next thing. And and we know it's a sport that you it takes some some time to to uh, to get the the seasoning and get used to the travel. And I mean, I just happened to look at some names on the web.com money list the other day just to see how they were doing. And I was, I was just astounded at some of the, the next great talents that aren't, aren't doing a whole lot out there right now. And I, and I, I just cringed cause it was like, gosh, and, and, you know, they were in a hurry to leave college. And, um, uh, there are only a few people who are probably held back by college golf who are just y- unique talents who are just ready to go. And the rest, it's a great thing to play college golf for four years and have somebody else paying for your travel and and uh, experiencing that and getting a little bit older and just getting more mature. Now let's take a quick break to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Whether on the course or in the market, it helps to have a second set of eyes to keep you on your game. That's why TD Ameritrade's trade desk is here to help gut check your strategies so you always feel confident teeing up a trade. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg to learn more about what their trade desk can do for you. Member SIPC. Now back to Jeff Shackelford. Yeah, that's the thing with uh, with with golf is, be, I think the hardest, one of the biggest things that these guys have to adjust to is being a professional. Sure. And, and you yeah. see, like Norman Jong, who's one well, of the guys. Well, that was one like, of the names that yeah. I... <laughs> I did notice. Yes, he made his first cut. You know, he, he's 19 year old trying to live on his own on the web dot com. It's got to be a very, very tough transition. You imagine, and you feel for a kid like that to a certain extent. And and he's got a great story with his upbringing. And you know, he's definitely not your your like cookie cutter pro. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for him turning pro. He can do a lot for his family, but. It's just a very difficult situation to be thrown into at 19 because it's not like the minor leagues of baseball where you're you've got a team that's getting you around just like college golf, like who's paying for your meals and everything. Like you're out on your own if you yeah you you eat what you kill and uh, and I guess that's one of the the beauties of golf, but also one of the challenges for uh, it, it kind of makes me think back to earlier in the year when the PGA Tour talked about. You know the rumored exemptions to in creating a college program that you know rewards excellent amateur play to get them into PGA Tour events, and and that seems to be where it's going. I was very excited about the news of that, and uh, and I'm I'm a little saddened by the way Jay Monahan um, kind of um, took it out. It seemed like he just just kind of killed it at the players this year or or you know he implied that it, it got out too early it wasn't ready to be put out well guess who put it out the pga tour so that to me was a a disturbing thing because i loved the concept of where they were trying to go and it may have just been as simple as the ncaa when are you out of your mind this is you can't do that uh this we we don't associate with a with a professional sports league but it seemed, at least on the few details that, that came out, that it, the, the concept was we recognize that uh, that it is a smart thing for somebody to 
to stay uh, in college for four years and get a degree and and travel and play great tournaments. I mean, look at some of the places where college golf is playing these days, and and it's it's getting more coverage in media, so they're getting exposed to doing interviews and all that part of the the, the lifestyle, and it's a good developmental tour and it seemed like the pga tour was recognizing that it's good for them and kind of learning from what the nba is uh has not been able to to do and then it just he just killed it so i don't i, I mean maybe it, i hope it comes back but it was really uh, uh a strange one and i i don't have an answer as to why that was the case but it would address a lot of the things you just were discussing with Norm Jean. Of course, he was touted as somebody who couldn't, there was nothing else for him to do in college. I heard that a couple of times. I'm like, well, he's, he's 19. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, he was great last year, but then you look at a season like Matt Wolf's putting together and you're like, oh, well, that's like really great. What Matthew Wolf's doing or Colin, yeah. like even Colin Morikawa, Colin Morikawa to me is like the perfect example of a kid that I expect he's really ready to turn professional, but it's, you know, as a, as a freshman, he, he, he lost in a playoff in a web event. Like yeah. how many of these kids would have turned pro right then? Right. Right. And, uh, and by the way, he would be somebody who you actually would have really looked at and said, wow, he's, uh, I mean, he was so polished and impressive at the Walker cup as, as was uh, Doug Gim, who, you know, is, is uh, chugging along pretty nicely right now, I think. And, um, I, I have, you know, even though he doesn't hit the ball a long way, you just feel like there's somebody who's really solid and well, like and knows how to score and knows how to live life and get through the, uh, the, the things that we were kind of hitting on there. And, and, um, and so there is more to it than just, just being able to play, but yeah, Collins one and, and, uh, Victor Hovland's another person you look at and go, wow, he's, he's pretty mature. Yeah, and then you look at a guy like uh, you know Will Zalatoris, a great player, but he he just left school for I I don't know why you know obviously with the the way the tour schedule is structured you get some yeah. advantages, but I saw last week was his first top ten uh, on the web you know and he doesn't I don't think he has full status out there or any status. Yeah, no, it's it's quite a list of people uh, that who who you just think want really you just you just didn't want to do three to four more months and. But I, I don't necessarily blame them. I think it's, the, uh, as you say, you know, you, you, the people around them, you go to the U.S. Amateur and you see who's there and what they're, what they're telling them. And uh, so that's kind of why I'm hitting on that point. I don't want to pick on the players. I don't want to pick on 19- and 20-year-olds with, with big dreams and a lot of confidence and a lot of just loads of talent. Uh, I'm, I'm more annoyed at the adults in the room who are um, – doing what what we hate seeing in other sports and now it's coming to golf and uh, so i'm going to keep pointing it out <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, i mean you look at like ct pan's a perfect example it takes a long time to win and and he was as decorated yeah. of an amateur player as you could find a, you know great you know highly regarded as a 16 year old and, and and it takes a long time especially if you don't seem to have like that that dominant power that's the guy that you're you're still going to see them make it up and and really thrive when they're hitting into their late late twenties versus yeah. you know the the guys like Camp Champ can dominate right away because they're you know one of the best on tour at something. Yeah, but then those 
if they're out there long enough or they're around the game long enough, a CT fan can kind of see his strengths and and understand his weaknesses and understand how to make out a schedule and pick his battles and uh, know how to really have a nice long career um, based on his strengths and not get caught up in, in what he doesn't do well. I think that's that's starting to be what's interesting about uh, Jordan Spieth is I, I really, as great as he was, I my sense is he sees where the game's going and he's tried to change to be part of of uh this other way the game is played that's not who he is and it's i think it's gotten him in a little bit of trouble uh, at least on the ball striking side and the and the and the way he approaches a course and it's um it's a it's a bizarre thing to see and it shocks people but um but this is just how this the sport is right now you can you can get derailed pretty um quickly if you try to be somebody you're not or play a game that you're you're not capable of playing yeah that's i i think that's the the thing with golf is everybody always looks at it and i, I had luke donald on the podcast and he said one of the most da- damaging moments of his career i think it, he answered what what would you kind of go back like what moment would you go do you reflect on a lot and he said the final round when he played with justin rose at the u.s open at marion because had he won, it would have been completely different. But because he fell fell short, he looked at Justin Rose and said, I need to play like that. Mm. And it's funny because if the opposite happens and Donald wins, right. Rose probably would have looked at Donald and said, I need to do that like Luke Donald <laughs> does. Yeah. And that's just yeah. golf. And we've heard that story, that narrative many times that, that – um that that somebody sees something and they they just have to make a change and and it almost never uh works for them and and uh, Luke's name comes up a lot in that in that uh, narrative cuz he was so good so consistent um so rock solid and just a money machine and a and a and contention machine and um and I understand it though too you know you have to look at what's going on in the sport and and you do see what advantages people get playing the game a certain way, especially right now in this sort of uh, bomb and gouge approach. And you, you, you can't blame them for, for noticing it and, and wanting to try to adapt a little bit. So, you know, we got derailed here early. On, what a uh, shot. Down the ra- rabbit yeah, hole. Early, early yeah. on. <laughs> um, getting back on course, this PGA, the, the new schedule, it, could anything have gone better for the PGA Championship than uh, Tiger winning no. the Masters? No, no, especially because it wasn't sold out, um, and they, they've now sold out the weekend, so that's good. But yeah, no, it's fantastic, especially at a place that he's had success at, and and the crowds will just be uh, they'll be amped up for him, for for Phil, for for uh, they're, they're just a lot of people who they're going to be excited about, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's just it's just fantastic, especially because I think we've already are seeing a little bit of that uh, oversaturation of the New York market in the response to some of these events, and which a few of us warned with all these majors being awarded to uh, the that general area that there might be a a little bit of a fatigue factor, and so he's just put that out of its misery. 
Yeah, it's a, it, with the with the U.S. Open last year, this, and then they've got the they got a FedEx Cup stop. stop. That's I mean, it's a lot of golf in there, and I don't um, think. Yeah, we got Wingfoot. We've yeah. got. I mean, there's a, they're just a lot of tournaments in the area. Uh, Trump Edminster. It's it just goes on and on. Uh, I think every year till 24, there's a, there's a major or a a uh, major cup event. What what would you say your thoughts on the new schedule are? You know, now that we're kind of in the thick of it, is there anything I think changed? so far? No, I think it's really good. The one issue or one thing I think we're we're finally going to see here a little bit, but but I, but not, so far they've done a very good job of of getting nice fields. But I do think the Zurich was the first sign, and I think the AT and T at uh, at Trinity Forest will be the next sign that uh, there there are going to be regular tour events that really take a hit uh, from this this schedule where it just the players just go I, I I know I have I know I have to play the RBC events <laughs> or whatever their their uh, their their reason uh, I know I have to play AT and T uh, because Mr Stevenson's on our board and we need to be nice to him you know there is a point where they're just going to go I can't. I can't play that much. I mean, as we're recording this, Tiger Woods still hasn't committed to Quail Hollow. And uh, just watching a video of him limping uh, into this uh, shoot uh, for Golf TV. So I'm, I'm not sure we'll, we'll even see him at Quail Hollow. But um, so I think that's where it's, it's great for the majors. I mean, to, to think that we're going right now to a major championship after Augusta, it's pretty exciting to have that, that momentum. But I do wonder what it's going to do to. I mean, I I, I think I, I think Tony Romo may be the the second biggest draw at the, and he might be the biggest draw at the at the AT and T this year at Trinity Forest. Yeah, Spieth, uh, Spieth might be like in the forties at that time in the world rankings, which is a, yeah. Un, I, I I mean, if you, be one of the things that if you said two years ago Jordan Spieth would be the uh, you know. 38th ranked player, whatever he is right now. Um, you know, that'd be one of the long shot, uh, bets of the century. It would, but again, it's just, it's a fickle sport and you know, we've gotten spoiled, I think by, um, by some of these players who've been pretty consistent for a while or at a young age. And we just have to remember that it, uh, it just doesn't take much to throw you off a little bit, and he might be—he might have made a few mistakes, or he might be a little bit um, stubborn, or he might have been a little bit unlucky. I mean, it just doesn't take much to to derail you. I mean, look at Patrick Reed, um, how hard he works at it, and it's not—it's not—it's uh, not getting better. It's getting getting worse, and maybe and. Um, so it's it's a cruel sport that way. But by the way, so Trinity Forest uh, also, uh, just to get to that topic, um, the other issue, obviously, with that one is not just the um, date and a busy schedule, but also I think there's a sense that the, the players, even though they tried so hard to make it palatable to the modern mindset, they still didn't like it. And uh, so I think if you guys are just skipping it because it's not a good pre PGA championship course, which I, I think is a shame. And, but I understand the mentality that, that, a a linksy style week before Beth page isn't exactly a uh, uh, great preparation, but I, I don't know. That may be overrated too. Yeah. I think, I think that it's a, 
it doesn't make a ton of sense also to have the back-to-back Dallas weeks separated. Yeah. I mean, it, you talk about making it easy guy, for guys to go places. That That's a perfect example of making it very difficult and, make, and forcing people to choose. Who's going to get go Dallas to, to Long Island back to Dallas? You know, yeah. that, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. But, you know, when you're, somebody's playing in their schedule, they see two Dallas stops in a row. It's like, well, that's, that's pretty easy. Um, you know, good city to go hang out in for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the one that stood out when they released the schedule that, that just didn't quite make sense and probably will be needing some adjustments, especially given AT&T's role in, in, uh, in the sport and their influence and their possible interest in being a, a television partner as well. Yeah. I, I would have loved to see, and I know this this doesn't work because obviously FedEx paid the big bill. But if you were going to do something and, and give somebody a WGC, that that would have been a place that I would have loved to see. And I know I had heard rumors that it might become the match play spot, but that just got uh, re-upped down in Austin. So it, it it's a very it's in a very precarious spot. And then I've also seen following the the superintendent Casey Koff on Twitter, they're they're yeah, having yeah. His, historic rain totals this year too so yeah yeah but he's still gonna try to get it a little firmer and faster from what i've uh, heard which is and what the owner wants so um i mean i love that place so i hope it goes i hope it goes well yeah it's it's a uh i think what the, what we saw last year and we saw from a lot of guys was like they realized like wow if i play great golf i'm gonna shoot a really good score and any type of golfer out there can play great golf on the golf course and shoot a good score it's you know it's a course that it it, it just it, it boggles my mind how you know these guys can go out to the open championship one week and talk about how amazing it is and how great of a golf experience it is and then two weeks before that they can throw a fit about about the yeah. golf style there which is you know, essentially an American version of it. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. The caddies had an outing there, I think the year before. And, and, and that really, um, started a narrative that wasn't great. Um, they, I don't, I don't know if the, the conditions were extreme that day. I, I don't remember what, what their, their thing was, but there, once you get them going on a, a narrative that can be dangerous. And then, you know, there are no trees and, it, it's um, it, it, it's there's no Four Seasons Hotel. Um, the range is over. You have to take the shuttle. You know all these weird little elements to it that they um, they they immediately start developing a viewpoint and and it just snowballs from there. And it's it's uh, bizarre to watch. And it's why I thought the tour did a great job kind of easing them into that place. But we'll find out if it was enough to to uh draw a, a good field back something that you've been uh on uh, from the beginning is the condensing of the la open the men's la open i guess it's la open no more la invitational now um yeah we're waiting to hear the the new name i don't know what it'll be but the you know smaller field sides and it goes into this you know beyond the majors we now have these we have the players which is its own you know, quasi major, or they say that, say it is, and then the we have the WGCs, and you know, what are your thoughts on this new elevated status um, tag that's getting thrown around? 
Well, I understand that in the case of this event, you are locking in Tiger to to be associated with it the rest of his uh, his his life essentially. Um, but and then you hear the reasons, and and obviously uh, there are a lot of great reasons, but then there are also the pace of play reasons, and 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 we just you know the days are so short at the one here in L.A. that it's just really hard to get a field around, especially at the pace they go at now. Um, but field sizes, as we know, is not always the, the cause of pace of play. They like to say it is, but um, you get small fields that still take five hours and 30 minutes if, if the conditions are a certain way. So um, I, uh, I, so I have mixed feelings about it. I have, I have very strong feelings about it in the case of the LA event because it's, been a an invitation or excuse me an open event since it's since the beginning and if you go back and read about it there was a lot of pride in the fact that it was an open event and through the 90 uh whatever it is 93 years there um there's some amazing stories because it was an open event and because there was a qualifying and people like babe zaharias qualified and played in in the uh in the LA open. So I love open events and I, I love what they do in a community. And I was talking to a golf pro yesterday about this very thing. And that, you know, the local section spot will probably go away. Um, and you know, about once every four to five years that created a fantastic local story of a pro making the cut or a pro shooting 64 is a club pro and that kind of thing. And, I, I love those little elements to a, a, a golf tournament, and I think that's that's what you lose. But I just don't know how much people um, value that. I think they still do. Yeah, I think I think the purists value it. I think that's the you know, but the the mass appeal is all about you know ten guys, and I think that's something that Tiger's illuminating is like how little the it's almost like a blessing and a curse when he comes back you know he comes back and and you realize like well does anything really matter outside of the four majors it, yeah and in in a way um and that's probably about right that's kind of where i've been lately I've been really major focused and and um i uh yeah there's just so much in a short period that that there is a point where you have to kind of uh, pace yourself whether you work covering it or whether you're a fan and ultimately the majors are the things and and the Ryder cup that uh just are on a different level it's just it's just no uh, way around it and 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 there and i i don't discount that uh the tour uh, or tours trying to push other events as just as significant as these majors almost turns people off a little bit and makes them almost resist that uh, some. I don't know. That's It's a hard thing to gauge, but I do sense that sometimes. Yeah, I think that it's just sometimes letting something have its own feel, its or- organic feel, is the is the best case, you know? Uh, best thing you can do is... is sure, it, but, but it's also the hardest thing, is like sitting aside and saying, like, hey, if we do nothing, it's the best thing we could do is like something that's very hard to come to grips with. Right, right. And you have a lot of people who are making decisions who've worked in marketing and marketing people, that's their training is to, to push, push, push and get the word out. And if they um, don't do that and, and the thing isn't talked about and there aren't impressions and views and then, then they get they get in trouble. So it's a 
it's a tricky balance. That'll do it for part one with Jeff Shackelford. We'll be back later this week with part two uh, of our conversation with Jeff. Thanks, and hope you guys have a great week. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you. 